All right, it is week eight of the NFL season. Colts at home. Uh, Colts and Saints coming up. Slight favorite, I believe, Indianapolis heading into this matchup. Two, three, and four teams. Um, I think it's two teams in very different moods, though. <laughs> I think the Colts are like, Three and four, yeah, we've looked pretty good this year, and the Saints are like three and four. Holy, sh- this is not what we thought with Derek Carr. Yeah, I think that probably boils down to everything. Uh, the Saints are honestly a feeling. I feel like how the Colts felt at times with Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Like, oh wait, the short-term band-aid is not everything that it's made out to be. So, uh, very curious to see how their O-line looks, how Carr looks. I do think they have a lot of individual talent, which I think should still be on notice, but. Uh, curious to see how the Saints team comes out of their mini buy, and again the Colts. Reason for optimism, certainly, for how they played offensively against Cleveland. But you're at a point now. If you want meaningful games in November, December, you better start taking care of games we maybe label as not as meaningful. Because if you start losing these, you won't have meaningful football uh, come December. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Eddie Garrison. Eddie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, KB. It is the night of the season opener for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, it is. Uh, I played a small placed a small wager on the Pacers to make the playoffs and to be forty five wins or more. How many? Forty five. I got forty five. Plus three twenty on that. I kind of like those odds. I need Tyrese Halliburton to stay healthy. So uh, you're pretty much hoping this isn't a Raiders situation, right? <laughs> hey, now I I was you know somewhat right on the Pacers last year, uh, five or six seed. That's what I'm pegging for. I'm pegging them as a six seed, and I took their over thirty seven and a half when it was thirty seven and a half wow, at minus one oh five. Yeah, good number there. Thirty yeah. nine and a half is um, opening night is here. Looking forward to this Pacers season. I think rightfully so. A lot of intrigue for this team. All right, today's pod, Eddie, let's focus on certainly some news items. You know, Michael Pittman had some post-game comments that drew some headlines, and I just got back from Colts practice where Pittman did talk earlier today. And Very professional. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, Saints, uh, obviously, thoughts. Um, but I do want to lead off here with the NFL trade deadline. It is a week from Tuesday. Um, we saw Kevin Byard in Tennessee get things underway uh, on Monday with that trade. And I guess I'm just kind of curious, you know, how should the Colts handle things come Tuesday? Uh, you know, the Titans are 2-4. and four. They're coming out of their bye week. They have a new GM. Uh, probably not the most shocking thing in the world that we saw the move that they did. Um, you know, Bayard is, you know, one of their kind of great defensive players really in franchise history. But uh, this is what you see, Eddie. You see teams move a 30-year-old and they get a fifth and a sixth rounder in return and they get Terrell Edmonds, who's, what, four years younger than Kevin Bayard? Like, this is kind of what teams do and you know obviously for Tennessee's case we live in an AFC South bubble so certainly you're curious like wait is Derrick Henry next Uh, how is life with Will Levis about to look (laughs) yeah starting on on Sunday but I would say something that I'm curious about with the Colts Eddie is just how they view the next six days and I label it buy or sell it's not that black and white I mean obviously in a perfect world you do a little bit of both I mean you 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 get rid of something you no longer want, and you get something that you do want, and hopefully that thing that you're getting you have for several years. I mean, that's kind of the perfect world. But, you know, I, I bring up the trade deadline, Eddie, because I think when you're roster building, and in particular with the Colts, and when you don't use free agency maybe as much as other teams, and you're about to start to pay some guys a little bit more money, and, and that will probably continue to grow over the next couple of years, 
I don't want to lose sight of what next Tuesday could bring. Because it's not the NBA, it's not Major League Baseball, but you do find desperate teams come yeah. next Monday or Tuesday. I mean, you could look... You could, San Francisco, the trade has worked out, but they were desperate. I mean, they were 3-3, three and three and they made a significant trade for an oft-injured running back. Now, it has worked out for them, but that was a lot of risk involved. Carolina, I thought that was a nice haul they got in return for Christian McCaffrey because he had been banged up, and they were starting to rebuild. Um, so I, I think that is something that um, you can't ignore uh, come next week. Now, I have long been a believer of the trade deadline for me is this, Eddie. If you feel like you are a playoff caliber team and you think there is a move out there that gets you to become a Super Bowl caliber team, you do that. You yep. you you become a all chips in in season sort of team. A la Booger McFarlane with the Colts back in 2006. A la what San Francisco did last year with Christian McCaffrey. So having said that, I don't view the Colts obviously in that light this season. Um, now, the question for me becomes this. What players on your roster do you not foresee part of your 2024 plans and beyond? Look at the free agent group. Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Moss. Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman. Kenny Moore. Grover, Grover Stewart. Stewart. Um, you know, Mo Ali cox has got an out. You know, Shaq Leonard's got a little bit of an out. You know, some of these guys that we've talked about, do you sit here right now and say one of them is Bobby Okereke from last year? I don't think we ever sat here, Eddie, and thought Bobby Okereke was a serious re-sign guy. It just financially at linebackers didn't make sense. Nothing against Bobby. Bobby's a very good player. I think Bobby's done a nice job, it sounds like, with the Giants. Oh, yeah. But I don't think we ever viewed him as a priority to bring back. Well, what happened with how all of that played out, Eddie? Bobby Okereke joins the Giants, and based off how the compensatory pick formula works out, the Colts get no return on Bobby Okereke. The Colts signed Samson Evacom to a notable deal. They signed Matt Gay to a notable deal. And just with how that comp pick formula works out, when those comp picks are awarded here coming up in a few months, the Colts are unlikely to get a, a any sort of notable pick. Now, why is that? Can you explain for some people that may not know? Yeah, so basically the comp pick formula is weighing your outgoing free agents and the contracts they sign to your incoming free agents and the contracts they sign. And if you have more outgoing guys sign contracts than the incoming guys uh, and there's a financial value you know based off off all of this um, then those picks y- you would gain a compensatory pick you know a third rounder a fourth rounder fifth sixth seventh uh, there's different types of values but if they if you sign you know the same amount of money players that are outgoing then that cancels each other out and based off all the different kind of comp pick projections you look at, it's unlikely the Colts, I think maybe, maybe a seventh rounder, but uh, you know, it's unlikely they'll get a fourth or, or a fifth. So I bring that up, Eddie, to say, is there anybody in the 2024 free agency class that you would view in a Bobby Okereke light? And is there anybody on this roster right now that you want to see play more? And of all the names... I come back to Julian Blackman. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you look at each position group on the roster, Eddie, where do you have a free agent that is playing above a young draft pick that you would like to see more of? Safety. 
that's really the only one. Like, and, and again, Okereke to EJ Speed might have been a, a similar comp last year. Um, to me, Blackman to Nick Cross is kind of that comp again. Now, I've always been a big Julian Blackman guy. I think he's a pretty good player. I think he's versatile. I think he's trustworthy. A great um, locker room guy, too. Yeah, I, I, you could talk me into bringing him back. So I don't want to act like it's a end-all, be-all. I'd probably talk about bringing Julian back in a little bit different light than I did Bobby last year because you, know, you aren't paying Rodney Thomas any money to play safety next to him. So, But I also sit here and think to myself, what's up with Nick Cross? Two snaps last week? I mean, what is it, 20, I want to say it's like 23 snaps in his last 22 games or something like that? I mean, he's averaging one snap a game. Now, there's no likelihood that they would consider moving Julian back to corner with the lack of depth and the lack of, you know, some yeah. talent there, and then that could open up Nick I like Cross safety back to safety. Better. I do too, but it was just something I know that he did at Utah. Right, and he did you know, a little bit last year. He played a little nickel, and right now, you know, you're kind of in scramble mode at corner. We can get into that a little bit later in the pod, but with Juju Brents expected to miss some time, you know, okay, I, I am personally a fan of honestly looking at a little bit more base personnel. I know that that's ancient thought, but if I'm trying to get the best 11 on the field, isn't EJ Speed better than Daryl Baker Jr.? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I know it's not like that simple to boil it down to that, but you know, I thought to myself, just Kenny Moore outside, Jalen Jones outside, and play the three base linebackers. Now, some people have countered and said, what about Julian to nickel, Kenny to outside, Nick Cross then to safety? Yeah. So you could still play nickel. That's that's a thought. Or and, maybe and or maybe you replace, and now we're getting way too far down the line here as I say this, but uh, maybe Julian is your replacement at corner in the offseason with Kenny if you wanted to go down the avenue of maybe even trading Kenny this year. That That's interesting. Um, yeah, they, they're such different, well, they're a little different body types, but you know when you think about it, I think both of them do have a nice knack for being around the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly Kenny's resume speaks for itself and is much more than than Julian's. But um, that's kind of where I'm at with the trade deadline. You know, I don't know if I poorly worded the tweet yesterday, Eddie, but I, you know, I got one of those. I, I kind of got roasted, ripped, ratioed. I don't know how you want to call it, but what, ratioed. You are yeah, keeping up with the times. I, I don't. I don't know if I maybe it was a full on ratio, but basically, I, I tweet out something to the effect of. The Titans traded away, you know, one of their older players yesterday. Is this a path the Colts should try to get younger and add draft picks? And people, you know, many people uh, had a quick, like, younger question mark. Aren't they already one of the younger teams in the league? And I, I, I guess I wasn't trying to be like, the Colts are this aging team. I didn't infer that. I wasn't trying to infer that at all. But when you make a trade, Eddie... More often than not, if you're trading away a veteran player, you're getting younger. Like, if a draft pick comes back in return, that draft pick is going to be younger than the guy you trade out. Hell, when they traded Naheem Hines for Zach Moss last year, they technically got younger. Like, that that's just typically how things, you know, happen there. I meant it a little bit more for the draft pick side of it, but basically, I view the trade deadline as if you have an upcoming free agent that you don't think will be part of your future plans, why not try and explore that if you are outside looking into the playoff picture? Now, having said that, this is my thoughts. I don't I don't I don't think Chris Bauer agrees with that, frankly. Um I don't think he wants I mean and, and you know what? The Colts are three and four. They could win on Sunday. They could be four and four. They could be right there, you know, knocking on the wild card door and, you know, he wants to send a message to Shane Steichen in this new era of, hey, we're not gonna do that sort of line of thinking. Uh, again, I think in an ideal manner, you would 
move a guy that's not part of your future plans, but you'd get something in return of value that you think can help you out right now and help you out a little bit longer. Zach Moss, honestly, the trade last year is really the perfect example of it. Now, Naheem Hines, I think, wanted to get into a new offense, Mm -hmm. so he wanted to be traded. You got Zach Moss. He obviously has been a quality player for you, and then you got the fifth-round pick that turned into Will Mallory. Looking back on it, that's a trade that I think made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's a question that I have now moving forward is just how do you approach the next six days? How much does Sunday influence it? The Colts have not been a heavy trade deadline team. No. Under Chris Ballard or even before Ballard, to be honest with you. And I know it's not the NBA. It's not Major League Baseball. But I think it would be a disservice to your franchise in the future if you don't look long and hard at trying to do something. And obviously, in the back of my mind, Eddie, I keep coming back to what does the big move look like for a wideout? When does that happen? And how does that happen? And how I view this is... If you trade a player, insert whoever, whatever, a running back tears ACL on Sunday and all of a sudden Zach Moss becomes expendable and or I should say coveted by another team and you don't have plans to re-sign Zach Moss, wouldn't Zach Moss for a fourth or fifth round pick make some sense? Mm-hmm. Maybe in the short term, it doesn't make a lot of sense to people. Maybe they would say, no, Kevin, that's stupid. Running back injuries happen. I want Moss for insurance for the last two months of the year. Okay, if you want to live in that very short-term bubble... What if I said down the road, Justin Jefferson's on the trade block, and it's you competing with the Houston Texans to get Justin Jefferson via trade, and the Texans have one more extra pick that they're willing to put into that trade package, and that's the difference in the pick. Yeah. Is two months of Zach Moss worth that? And again, we're getting into some hypotheticals that might sound crazy, and who knows? But at the end of the day, I view such an important building piece moving forward of, who is your Stephon Diggs to Josh Allen? Who is your A.J. Brown to Jalen Hurts? Who is your Tyreek Hill to, to Tua? You know, these are teams that invested in wideouts, in particular Philly and Miami. I mean, Devontae Smith was a 10th pick. Jalen Waddle's a 6th pick. And even with that, they didn't sit on their hands. No. They said, we need more. And I think especially with tight end being a bit of a question right now, um, I think you've got to go down that, that path. So, again, buy or sell is too black and white. You know, when you say sell, people think you're mortgaging everything, and they think you're, you know, whatever. Maybe what Tennessee will be in the next six days. It's not that, but I look at it and think a long-term asset without having any additional draft capital, that to me makes some sense. If there are anybody on this 2024 free agent list that you don't view as coming back. And honestly, when I look at the list, Eddie, outside of Moss, and I think that would be more of a mutual thing than, than, than anything, I don't view, like, done with anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one's taking Shaq's contract on with his medical situation. Um, At least right now. What? Well, yeah. I, I mean, in the next six days. Uh, you know, what would Mo Alley Cox garner? Uh, anything? A bag of chips. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, again, Julian Blackman, Kenny Moore, I could probably see them back. I mean, like... I think they still have a couple of years, you know, if not more, of good football left in them. Obviously, Grover Stewart, I still f- feel that way. So, uh, curious to see how the Colts uh, go about the next six days. If the Grover Stewart suspension doesn't happen, I'd say it would be a little bit easier for them to trade him. But obviously, with that suspension over his head, I don't think there's any team that'd be willing to take on Grover Stewart and get the compensation in which the Colts feel like they should get 
for the services that he provides. I know a couple of people brought up the Force Buckner. I I am st- I mean that would obviously be significant and it would lead to probably the most in return. I am still a believer that DeForest Buckner has three-ish pretty darn good years left in him. Yeah. And so I view that as important piece for Anthony Richardson. For the Anthony Richardson era is probably the better way to to put it. So that one I'd have to be Talked into a little bit more. Now, if you showed me a trade package that was really darn enticing, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd probably be willing. But um, again, DeForest Buckner, Eddie, like who is the replacement? You know, who is the, you know, who, uh, you know, Atatama, Atabare? Like, I, I don't, mm-hmm. there's no Nick Cross there. And I, I mean, I guess there's just one round difference, but um, I don't view it as like he is stunting a young draft pick. Like, I don't, I don't know. To me, Dio is not really that. He hasn't been kind of that that three technique. I think they like Dio a little bit more outside on those early downs. If there was a framework of a DeForest Buckner for a wide receiver, would you do it? Uh, who would be the wideout? Uh, I'm just saying for like the wideout that you envision to pair next to Anthony Richardson, whomever it is. Yeah. If uh, yeah. Uh, um. If it is a, which I don't think it would be, but if it's a Diggs, Brown, Tyreek type of wideout, right. unquestionably. But I, I don't think that's where you're going. You know, like people have mentioned to me some of the free agents next year. Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, uh, Mike Evans, you know, so, some of those guys. Evans age-wise, I, I don't love, but let's just focus on Higgins and Ridley. They'd obviously be an upgrade. They certainly would help things out big time. But I just, I want to shoot for the moon. And it's, you know, maybe that's not realistic, but right. you know, what was Buffalo's thoughts before the Diggs trade? What was Philly's thoughts before the Brown trade? What was Miami's thoughts, you know, before the Tyreek trade? So, um, so again, trade deadline coming up Tuesday at four. Not hold my breath for anything substantial, but uh, always interested to see how teams attack. What I think is, you know, probably the third most roster building type of day, uh, week, however you want to call it, uh, in the NFL calendar. C.D. Lamb is the guy that I would go mm-hmm. over the moon for. Mm-hmm. If I was Chris Ballard, yeah, okay. by the way. All right, all right. So that wraps up the trade deadline chatter that you wanted to hit on. Let's transition now to the opponent for the Colts this week. That is the New Orleans Saints. And as you talked about, um, they do have some nice individual talent around Derek Carr, Chris Olave, who, by the way, just got arrested um, Monday night for speeding. Uh, Dennis Al told him to slow down, he said. <laughs> Excuse me? I don't know. Here, here we go. I had the hiccups this morning for like an hour, and I couldn't get rid of them as I was getting ready. And I had them when I was trying to brush my teeth. Not a not, that, a, not a fun time. That was impressive there. I thought I thought you were maybe having a baby. No. A brief second there. No. But, do, uh, we, um, do we have a Michael Pittman-related question, or should I hit on Pittman here? I, I, I couldn't recall. Gosh darn it. Check the Twitter questions and get you some water, and I'll get into weekly stuff again just left Colts practice today um, they had five guys at missed practice uh, Juju Brents Kylan Granson Eric Johnson Zach Moss elbow and heel by the way for Zach Moss and then a hip injury and wrist for Braden Smith so we could be looking at maybe a third straight missed game for Braden Smith um what'd you say the diagnosis there from Moss was elbow and heel so a couple of different things there no Pittman question we, we we don't have a Pittman question, no. so should we get to it here? Yeah. Uh, okay. So Michael Pittman's comments post game 
uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, like I need the ball more. And, and I, I, I think listeners of this podcast know my feelings about Michael Pittman. Uh, I saw a tweet sent to us earlier today, what the over-under on minutes it would be before I mentioned my USC pretty boy comment on Pittman. I absolutely love and obsessed with how he's wired, how he plays the, the game of football. Um, again, I don't think there is a diva whiteout in him. When I heard those comments, um, I thought to myself, man, that timing isn't great. I mean, you just scored 38 points. You just had 450 yards. In a way, when you say something like that, Eddie, you kind of discredit Josh Downs having 125 yards. You kind of discredit Alec Pierce. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had 120. Like, the Colts did not lose that game on Sunday because they didn't target Michael Pittman enough. But I also can sit here and be like, that's just Pittman in the heat of the battle. I mean, that is strictly what it is. That is Michael Pittman being a extremely wired competitor that, again, I think the Colts would be well-served to have more Michael Pittmans. Um, I don't think he's a diva wideout. Uh, if you really want to get technical, I mean, he had five targets and 23 attempts by Minshew. Like, I mean, that's that's a decent percentage uh, when you think about it. Um, and you scored 38 points, 450 yards. Um, Michael Pittman. 22%. Today, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a decent percentage. Uh, Pittman today kind of clarified things and basically said he kind of got caught up in the moment. And, you know, if he would have chilled for about 30 minutes, he doesn't think he would have maybe said as direct of those comments as he said. Um, look, I, I got, I've got no issue with Michael Pittman whatsoever. I am totally fine with the competitive spirit coming out. I think that's what it was. Um, I do think internally, Eddie, I'm curious just how the rest of this contract year is going to go. I mean, he had some pretty candid comments about Jonathan Taylor and how he had kind of agreed with how Taylor handled that. Um, maybe that's a little bit more for an off-season question. But again, my list of Michael Pittman on the worry list for the Colts could not be further down. Um, I do think, and again, he, he said those comments. I think he regrets maybe how direct they have been or how direct they were. But he clearly had a thought or two about the fact that he should have been targeted a little bit more. And, and I am interested, like, how he plays Sunday. Like, T.Y. Hilton did not talk a whole lot. He talked more than Pittman does, but he didn't talk a whole lot. But he also showed up to an NFL playoff game wearing a clown mask. And then followed it up. And backed it the you-know-what up. Like, think back to the first drive of the game in Houston. That is a road playoff game. The Colts had not won a playoff game in several years. Um, the first third down of the game is a third and 12. Literally, the Colts come out, and they're way behind the chains. It's a third and 12 with J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney, and that stadium shockingly loud for once because Watt riles it up. Whitney Merciless, was he still there? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. That. Don't feel like he should be named in the same breath as the other two. Granted, probably Clowney shouldn't be named in the same breath breath as Watt. Third and 12, T.Y. for 12. You get to another third down on that opening drive, T.Y. again for the conversion. And then you hit the big one to him to set up that opening touchdown. I think it was a 38-yard or 40-yard or something like that. That got you into that first and goal. And that totally sets the tone. And that is Frank Reich. That is Andrew Luck. That is T.Y. Hilton coming together and saying, our guy is doing some, some talking. And... If you're going to, we're coming to you, and you better back it up. Again, I'm not comparing at all what Pittman said to what T.Y. was doing 
walking into NRG Stadium on that Saturday afternoon. But I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a few targets to Pittman kind of early on to say, all right, let's go. You are getting the ball here. How are you, you know, do you have a little bit of a extra gear today? Uh, Marshawn Lattimore is quite the challenge. We'll see how much, if any. You know, there's a following around of Michael Pittman Jr. Um, I think Denzel Ward did. Yeah, I, I, I try to go back and look at it. I don't think Ward did as much as I thought he was going to. Um, but again, I have, you know, Pittman, it, timing-wise, that I think he, you know, uh, it's not great timing, and, and that would be my only, like, disagreement with him. But, Eddie, it, it, you know, this is how kind of it works in the world with players meeting the media. You meet them in a very raw motion after the game, and then typically you don't meet them again for about 72 hours. And that's your next opportunity to talk. I thought Pittman handled his clarification of the comments absolutely tremendously today. Um, I got the vibe that that was not super scripted either. Like, I don't think, like, the Colts were like, hey, Michael, um, you might have a chance to meet the media on Wednesday. Do you want to um, all of a sudden – um, you know, maybe clarify what you had to say. Like, I don't think this was some like woo ha ha moment of here are ten, you know, uh, talking points that you need to have. You know, maybe his agent said, "Hey, man, you know, let's let's just clarify that a little bit." But again, I thought Pittman handled it perfectly today. Um, so yeah, I wanted to make sure that we snuck in a little Pittman action there. Uh, other items of note, again, Eric Johnson. I think that's a bummer. The ankle injury, Juju Brents. Obviously, that's a huge bummer. Uh, we we kind of talked about. You know, the, the, the plan there at corner. Uh, we'll see if Russ Blacklock, the former second-round pick, has anything in the tank at all. He hasn't really shown much in his NFL career. They added him to the practice squad. Obviously, no Braden Smith against a pretty good defense. It would be less than ideal, so we'll see if Smith practices tomorrow. Um, Anthony Richardson had surgery. The NFL says they got the calls wrong. Jim Mercer wants tons of replay. That's not going to happen. What else did I miss from the week? I think he pretty much got it all in there. Saints. Um, again, I mentioned this to kind of lead off the pod. How do you handle a losing streak? First time all year that you've lost two in a row. Um, you know, Shane Sagan mentioned something today. You want to be kind of climbing the ladder at this point of the season. These are not very meaningful games. The Fox crew is Kevin, what, Kugler and I don't even know who is it. Mark Sanchez, the color guy. Like, yeah. you're not getting the Fox A team. Um, it's it's I think a slight upgrade from Jonathan Vilma and Kenny Albert. Yeah, is that an upgrade? I, I, I don't know. Um, basically, you're not in the limelight any of the next three weeks. Saints, Panthers, Patriots. If you want at Cincinnati in December to mean something, if you want Pittsburgh in your own building the week after that to mean something, you got to take care of these games. You know, these are the games you have to take care of. Um, you got the fourth easiest schedule the rest of the way. You know how do you how do you deal with that? Curious. I I mean the Saints. I have no idea, man. They're old. We got thirteen dudes over thirty. I mean this was supposed to be kind of a win now year. Gardner Minshew struggled against Dennis Allen late last season. Gardner actually started against the Saints late last year. Eagles scored ten points a season low. Gardner had a couple fumbles late. Picked a Lattimore that kind of iced the game. Threw for two seventy, but. Um, yeah, it wasn't a great, great game by Gardner by any means. Um, so, yeah, I think that covers everything Saints-related. Uh, Obviously, the big names on the offense, uh, Alvin Kamara, Chris Ola- Olave, right. uh, Michael Thomas. They are um, peppering 
Kamara with targets right now. Yeah. Peppering. And that's because they don't have any time up front. Yeah. The offensive line's giving Carr like. There were lines a major question. I thought Carr yeah. looked broken, honestly, uh, through a good chunk of that game on Thursday night. Jawan uh, Johnson should be back, it sounds like, that's on Sunday. Practice. Um, let's do Twitter questions and then we'll give our picks to round things out. Yeah, good. I may be out of I was gonna hiccups say, by then. Yeah, before you go into labor like that lady did inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. You know that was David Bell's sister, right? I, I thought they said cousin, but yeah, I mean, some oh, yeah, cousin. David Bell family member with that. Yeah, just wild. Shout out. They should have the lady that delivered the baby should bang the anvil next game. Sunday. I mean that in all seriousness. Jamie is up first. Going into the season, we knew we would have to deal with a rookie quarterback, which meant rookie mistakes. Does that go for a rookie head coach as well? Yeah, I think that's that's probably a good way to put it. Now, I do think like Shane Steichen's resume was closer to NFL head coach than Anthony Richardson was to like NFL quarterback. Like to me, it was a bigger jump for Richardson than it was Steichen. I assume Jamie's referencing what we talked about on Monday's pod. Uh, you know, my big issue with Shane Steichen how he handled the end of the first half there. You know, Shane came out and talked about how on that second and fifteen that Minshew strip sack, that was supposed to be a double move that they were trying to hit there. Eddie, a double move backed up against your own goal line with Miles Garrett opposite you, That that's kind of a video game type call. I mean, that's a, that is quite the call. Uh, you better have a lot of confidence in your boys. And again, to me, that's irrational confidence. That's blind faith. Like, in that moment, that's where Shane has got to get play caller headset off and put head coach headset on and realize, swallow your pride, live to see another down. It was interesting. I thought Aaron Rodgers was terrific on the Manning cast on Monday. Obviously, Peyton and Eli. And they were talking about how Kirk Cousins had explained to uh, Peyton before the game that they had specific plays in there for when Joey Bo- or when Nick Bosa was off the field. And Rodgers was like, oh yeah, we definitely had those plays in for the Packers. Of like, when Bosa goes off the field, this is now. What's open on the call sheet? When he's on the field, that part of the call sheet is not open. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're going to dial up a double move against the Cleveland Browns, that is a play that Miles Garrett needs to be off the field for. So, you know, whoever's up top. Or double teamed. Cam Turner, whoever. And again, they tried to double team. I, I, Yes, you expect a little bit more out of your players in that situation. Drew Ogletree and Blake Freeland have combined to play 10 games in their NFL career. Like, to me, that's not uh, when you have that call. But... Yeah, I, I think all in all, Jamie, yeah, I mean, there, there are going to be some, and, and I think I said on Monday, I don't want to overreact to what Shane Sykin did there. In the immediate aftermath of the game, as we unpack the pod and do the what I liked, what I didn't like, and explain reasons why the Colts lost the game, I'm going to make sure that we drill that point home. But I think I said it on Monday, and I'll say it again here. Do I think that is the norm for Shane Sykin? I don't. So I don't, I'm not overly worried about that. Logan has a question regarding the defensive line. He said that it was good in the first few weeks of the season, but since then, the Colts have not been great. Logan said he's he's noticed that all of the moves are just bull rush and nothing else. I remember when we had Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis there, so many finesse moves. Uh, Why don't we do those anymore, and do they not coach them anymore? Well, I I don't know if the Colts have the personnel. Again, you know, Quiddy Pay, I know he tested as a big speed guy. I don't know if he plays with that speed kind of edge rush. At least I don't see or have not seen enough of that. You know, Quiddy was really quiet, I thought, going against a rookie tackle 
on Sunday in Dewan Jones. Um, and again, I, I look at your pass rush, and I think you want to diversify that group just like you want to diversify your wideout room. We talked about getting a point guard for your power forwards. In the wideout room, I think you want to do that uh, with your pass rush group. And, you know, Eddie, something I was thinking about a little bit more, and it goes back to last season, and maybe that's fair, maybe that's unfair, but I think when the coordinator is the same, when largely the defensive personnel is the same, I mean, you've obviously changed a few guys. Um, what, there's probably seven, maybe eight starters that are the same from last year defensively. I think it's worth pointing out um, the Colts defense have the Colts defense has a closing issue. They've got a closing the game issue, and they've got it at home. Uh, if you go back to last year, Eddie, Sunday marked the fourth time that the Colts have lost a game by one point at Lucas Oil Stadium. Washington, Philly, Houston, and then obviously Cleveland. And if you look at those four games, Eddie, you gave up 75-yard or longer game-winning touchdown drives in the final minutes, my final couple minutes of all of those games. And I think what stings even more, I mean, that stat to me speaks for itself. I mean, you're 1-8 in your last nine home games. In that stretch, four of them are one-point losses. Four of them have come on 75, 80, 85 yard touchdown drives in the final two minutes. Like that stings. To take it a step further, three of the four quarterbacks, you don't even consider them starters. Nope. Taylor Heineke got things started with the commanders. Then Jalen Hurts. Obviously, Hurts speaks speaks for himself. Davis Mills not only did the touchdown drive to you, but then he did the two point conversion to you. And then, of course, what we saw with Phillip Walker on Sunday. And obviously, the calls went against the Colts late. But as I echoed on Monday, and I'll say it again here, I mean, that drive got 67 yards before any sort of questionable officiating entered the fray. Like, you're at home. Your crowd noise is roaring. You know they've got a pass. In those situations, there is nothing a defender wants more than the ability to make the play to close it out. And the Colts have not done that at all in the last year. So... Uh, that is an issue for me right now. It's an issue for Gus Bradley's defense. It's, it's an issue with their personnel. I pin a lot of it on the defensive line. I think that is such a golden time to slam the door shut and to make the strips. I mean, do what, honestly, Cleveland did to you on the final play of that game. And the inability to do that, I think, has just got to be so maddening. I mean, you know, when you've won one of your last nine home games and you've had opportunity sitting there on a platter and again we're probably a little spoiled because we're used to what Freeney and Mathis did and slamming the door shut gotta be better there gotta be better there I would like to see them dial up the pressure my goodness the pressure these hiccups I can't get rid of them a little bit more blitzing action yeah I mean you know combination thing blitzing do you play a little press Um, at some point scheme personnel you gotta deliver I mean Eddie four one-point losses. We're talking Taylor Heineke, 9-play, 89-yard drive. Jalen Hurts, 11-play, 75-yard drive. Davis Mills, 14 plays, 83 yards, and a two-point conversion. Was Derek Carr last year, too? And P.J. Walker, 12 for 80. Uh, Derek Carr, no. You beat Derek Carr last year. That was Jeff Saturday's only win. That's right. That's two years ago that I'm thinking of. Yeah. And obviously, you know, early last year, you had... Gilmore making a play against the Chiefs. Gilmore, Denver. Gilmore making a play against the Broncos. So, like, this is just, if you kind of go back in the last calendar, in the last 12 months, 
starting that Washington game. And really, I think that's kind of when the season really spiraled the other way. And, and I get it. You know, some people say that was last year. Who cares? When it's the same coordinator and a lot of the same personnel. Mm-hmm-hmm. Brett would like to know why everyone hated the Indiana Knights jerseys so much. He actually liked them a lot. A few years back, the Colts fans got upset about a jersey reveal that was nothing more than a 35, uh, 35th and anniversary patch. At least this is a very clear attempt to change it up and be different for once and their history. Yeah, I'm kind of with Brad. I know some people are like, it looks like Duke. I'm watching Mike Elko's Blue Devils play. I love the helmet. Um, I... I was fine with them. I say one game a year, you do something a little crazy with your jerseys. Are you good at that? I am too. I just and didn't. I don't like those color rush ones that they did. Something cra- something that, that that Saturday or that Sunday looked like. Bring back those Thanksgiving ones that Peyton wore one time. I didn't mind the one that they did with Carson Wentz in 2020 either. The, the retro throwback. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. One game a year. Let's do it. Sorry, I was looking up something here. Uh, You're dying on me. No, no. Um, so that was Brett's question. Cult Maniac is next. Oh, by the way, I'd like to see them do like a white jersey with blue pants. Maybe? Ooh, now you're talking, Eddie Garrison. Flip it instead of the blue and white, do white and blue. Uh, I, I'm all in. Tell me more. And then you have the, I think if you put the Indiana Knights helmet with it, I think it'd look pretty, pretty good. Look at you. Colt Maniac is next. Do you think the Colts will try and pick up a cornerback before the trade deadline? That seems to be their weakest position position group. Dude, don't they just need an, another corner just to survive? <laughs> like, I mean, um, I guess a mere speed. Did you see that guy they claimed from the Patriots? Six-round pick. I did. Started at Georgia, moved to Michigan State. He literally screams track athlete, and we're still not 100% sure he knows how to play NFL defense. Or football. <laughs> I mean, it's like six. I mean, it's it's oozing the six three two fifteen runs four three. His arms are crazy long. Like it's crazy. I mean, honestly, it's it's Juju Brent's type of frame, and and honestly, quicker than Juju. But um, yeah. I, do they still have that Falcon guy on the um, Darren Hall? I believe is his name on the practice squad. I mean, he's got some starts, so you know maybe you bump him up. Uh, but yeah, I, I will be very curious to see how they handle corner. Um, just the official Colts injury report. I don't know if you said that when it came out. Did yep. You did. Yep. Yeah, those Got five it. that did not practice. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just made sure. Uh, Jason, how much does Anthony Richardson influence the attractiveness of the Colts as a destin as a destination for upcoming free agent wide receiver crop, or does it take another year or two for him to be a, a factor? Yeah, that's a good question. I it probably takes another year or two. I do think Anthony Richardson has created some intrigue. I maybe if you're tide that wins I don't know I don't know if guys are like totally like oh my gosh did you see that Anthony Richardson the Colts are going to the Super Bowl next year I tend to think money money and then still money in terms of free agency you know maybe quarterback breaks a tie there Uh, but I I think down the road certainly that could be the case again 18 to 24 months Eddie that's where you make that whiteout splash all right three Twitter questions left before I can figure out how to get rid of these hiccups because I've tried everything Holding my breath, drinking water, none of it's working. I'll scare you after this. Okay. I'm curious. This is from Mac. Would you rather have held out another year and try to get in on this uh, on this upcoming year's quarterback class, like Caleb Williams, Drake May, 
Michael Penix, maybe even Jaden Daniels or Bo Nix. <gasps> oh, there's a big one. That one sounded good. I know the circumstances. Chris Ballard being in the hot seat, new coach, being 4-12-1 last year, begged you to take a quarter- quarterback in this draft, and I also know you were a big spokesperson of that. Maybe hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'm not saying I'm not excited or see great p- potential with Anthony Richardson, but with the injuries, some bad luck with quarterback for a while now and being bummed, I just want to see your opinion on that. Yeah, I I understand the question. I, I, I'll i go back to the baseball analogy I used a lot leading into last year's draft of it was time to swing the bat. It was time to swing it. Um, if Anthony Richardson doesn't work out, um, you will not hear me one time. You know, all of a sudden, be ripping Chris Ballard. Uh, you should have taken a quarter, but nope, that should have been whatever Devon Witherspoon. That should have been, you know, trade back and take Peter Skaronsky. No, uh, it was time to swing the bat. You know, if you really want to nitpick, yeah, should you have traded up and you know had your selection of you know Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? And I mean, I guess if you believe Ursay, they would have taken Richardson one. Um, you know, maybe you can nitpick a little bit of that, but no, I, I, I it was time. It was time, and and I get what this quarterback class looks like, but. Um, you needed to deliver something for Shane Steichen as well. Blue Heavy Pod. I got to enjoy watching the Colts live for the fir- first time on Sunday. I did notice the fans were excited, but not as loud as I'm used to in New York. Does the Hoosier hospitality affect cheering on the Colts? Plenty of times I heard the Browns fans louder than us Colts fans, even though we greatly outnumbered them. Or is that typical for it? for any NFL game. I definitely received the Hoosier hospitality and appreciate it from the locals. Awesome stadium and community. Can't wait to come back. Yeah, there was certainly a lot of orange and, um, orange and black, a lot of barking. Is it orange and black? Orange and brown probably is the better way to put it. Um, in the stadium on Sunday. Um, I, part of that's to be expected. I mean, I, I you know, I venture to guess, I don't know, Colts have a decent contingent going to Cleveland. Granted, there's probably... I don't want to diminish the dog pound. You know, I think the Browns fan base is probably a little bit more passionate, a little bit more crazy in terms of traveling to road games than the Colts. Part of it's because, you know, Cleveland Browns have, you know, I don't know. When you're an outdoor stadium, you're just, you just exude toughness. Um, I thought the early year atmospheres were really good. I thought the crowd was pretty loud mm-hmm. earlier in the year. I thought Sunday, honestly, I thought it was good back and forth. I mean, there were moments I'm like, damn, is Gardner Minshew going to have to go silent count? Um, and that'll probably be the case when Pittsburgh comes in here in December, like that kind of annually happens. Always happens. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, especially when you're opening up the roof, I, I would call Lucas Oil Stadium one of the tamer NFL environments. I think that's a fair statement. You know, I would say you know, I've been to the vast majority of NFL stadiums um, that that one is – I would not call the Colts atop the list of hostile road environments. Yeah. Old RCA Dome, different story. Oh, yeah. Um, Lucas Oil, just acoustically and uh, just just a little different. Final Twitter question comes from Jay. Tough loss, but the wide receivers look pretty good. I still think that the Colts need another outside receiver. However, I think that the tight end is a bigger need at this point for the— Oh, I almost made it. Almost made it through the entire question. Jay thinks that the tight end is a bigger need at this point for the offense. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I um I don't want to ignore it. You know, for, I mean, I asked Shane second today. Is Jelani Woods getting in closer? I mean, he's like getting closer. I'm like, God, I feel like he's been getting closer since 
Rosie Bowen came out of the womb. Training camp? Yeah. Uh, but I, if Brock Bowers is on the board, Eddie, and you're, whatever, drafting 12, I mean, I'm looking long, long and hard at that. You know, I still think wide out, to me, I've always kind of viewed tight end as a position of, like, you can find a guy in the middle rounds. I mean, where was Kittle drafted? Where was Kelsey drafted? You know, when you look at, you know, Mark Andrews, like, it's not like these guys went top 10, top 15. Uh, I mean, honestly, you've probably had more bust at tight end in that range. Your guys that just haven't lived up to it. Um, you know, Ebron comes to mind. You know, TJ Hawkinson, you know, is a good tight end, but you're not going to label him in the um, in the Kittle or, or Kelsey category. So, uh, I view that position, Eddie, as kind of more likely to hit on a little bit later. Now, granted, the Colts have tried that. And I will say, though, Brock Bowers does it all. Oh, I, I'm a big, I mean, I'm a big Brock Bowers fan. I mean, I would look, again, I'd look long and hard at it if that was the selection. I tend to kind of view tight end, though, as a, is it easier to hit on a whiteout out of round five or a tight end out of round five? I right. say tight end. Um, but pass catcher is pass catcher, largely. So, Jay, I'm not, I also want to kind of let, I mean, let's let Drew Ogletree play a year out. Let's let Jelani Woods play a year out. I guess he's not going to play a year at this point, but you know, let's let Will Mallory play a little bit. Like, I, I, I do want to see these guys. Um, but yeah, right now, obviously, no one has emerged the first half of the year at tight end at all. All right, we've come to the end of the pod. Your turn, Colts. Uh, prediction. Uh, one point spread. Is that right? I think so. Kind of gone back and forth on this. I cannot get the Derek Carr out of my head that I saw for the first three quarters on Thursday night. Um, he is dink and dunk central right now. The O-line is uh, really hurting them. I do think the Saints have some impressive individual talent. I know Alvin Kamara missed um, today's practice due to an illness, but still, I mean, I, assuming he plays, I mean, I think they've they've got some pretty intriguing pieces. But uh, I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. I will go with Colts 23, Saints 20. That's pretty much in line with Vegas. Total is 43.5. Colts total points is 21.5. And and Saints is 21.5. What are you going with? I will also back the Colts. I think they scored 20 or more again, uh, being the only team in the NFL to do it thus far this season. That is a damn impressive stat, by the way, for Shane Steichen. Yeah. I mean, you think about multiple quarterbacks. You think about no Jonathan Taylor for a month. You think about the offensive line injuries. Yeah, Shane Steichen, offensive mind. Major, major plus. Take the Colts 26-20. 26-20 from Eddie Garrison. Literally just wants one more Matt Gay field goal than I. Um, Eddie, get, good luck with your hiccups. Thank you. Go, sirs. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Great weekend. We'll talk to you on the eve of Halloween.